Welcome to the Supremely Intercontinental Puckcast, a podcast about fake little hockey guys. I'm your host, Ian Constable, GM of the Banff Rockies. Nerd! All right, SICHLGMs, we have a very special podcast for you today. Former NHL goaltender and, of course, former SICHL goaltender, Chad Johnson is going to join us on the show to talk all things hockey. So let's get it started right away here with Chad Johnson, former SICHL goaltender. Welcome to this show, a very special guest, a former NHL goaltender, and as well as a former SICHL goaltender, Chad Johnson. Now, Chad Johnson played his uh, junior hockey for the Brooks Bandits in the AJHL, and that's when he was drafted in the fifth round by the Pittsburgh Penguins. After that, he played at the University of Alaska Fairbanks in the NCAA and in 2008-2009, he had an absolutely outstanding year with a 940 save percentage at 1.65 goals against average. Won the NCAA CCHA best goaltender. He was a first-team All-Star, uh, NCAA uh, Player of the Year in the CCHA, uh, a, a finalist for the Hobie Baker Award as well after that. He uh, moved to the New York Rangers in the NHL and then to the Phoenix Coyotes, played for the Boston Bruins, the New York Islanders, the Buffalo Sabres, the Calgary Flames, and then back to Buffalo, St. Louis, and Anaheim. So he's played lots in the NHL. But what Chad may not even know is he had a second career, and his second career was in the SICHL. And so in two, in uh, 2006, he was drafted by the Reykjavik Iceman in the eighth round. And that, of course, is our absolute draft guru, Sylvain Tremblay, who drafted him there. And so we know if, if Sylvain is drafting somebody that they are going to be great. And that was Chad right there. That's fantastic. So Chad played with the Reykjavik, and they changed their names to the Reykjavik Riders. He then moved to the Vancouver Vipers, where he played for a couple of years in uh, 2014, and then was was moved to the Brno Barons. So in Vancouver, of course, the Vipers, that is that team is run by Bryce Crittenden. And then finally to the Brno Barons, and Bob Mayhew picked him up in 20, uh, 2016-2017 season, where he finished out his career. A huge welcome to Chad Johnson. How's it going? I uh, my SICHL career sounds a lot like my NHL career, just all over the place. <laughs> well, it was and it was a great career, uh, yeah. and uh, you know that I was looking back at that, and I remember when you were with the Calgary Flames. Of course, I'm a big Calgary Flames fan, and we don't talk on this show. We don't talk about that other league, um, but 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 I have to say that I remember that year because I remember. Brian Elliott was uh, was the other goalie in Calgary. It was you and Brian Elliott. And I remember Brian Brian struggled a bit at the start of you. And you came in and just, it seemed like you saved that season. And that season, Calgary went to the playoffs. And I remember that you came in and you were absolutely lights out for Calgary when you came in and you, you played a big stretch for Calgary and, and really got Calgary back on the right track. So uh, yeah, was, I remember that specifically and I appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it was a fun, uh, fun experience. I was from from Calgary, so it was uh, kind of a dream come true to be able to like play for the Flames. And yeah, that year was uh, was special for me too. It was like I started out, and uh, you know Brian kind of struggled there a little bit, and I got to jump in and uh, took over the reins there. And then uh, he got hot like the last I think two months. He went on won like ten games in a row or something. So it was sort of the end of my <laughs> my run there with the Flames. But it was such a fun experience to be able to play in the in your in your hometown you see a lot of guys doing that nowadays they're uh they're, they're kind of going home and playing it's just such a fun experience that is super cool and uh you were drafted by pittsburgh when you when you were drafted were you at the draft or no or, no yeah i wasn't no because i i uh, i was actually drafted i was listening to your intro there and i was thinking the only thing you got wrong was i was actually drafted my 
uh, fresh after my freshman year in uh, in Alaska. Oh, okay. There, so I played uh, played my freshman year and then got drafted to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't go to the draft. It was um, I had a feeling I was going to get drafted, but um, I just didn't. I don't know. I, some people advise me just not to. They're, you know, if unless you're really a first or second round pick, even the seconds, they're like, there's you may as well stay home. It's kind of get more anxious being there and mm-hmm. uh, I want to kind of be around my family and you know I wasn't like a high high round draft pick so I just decided to stay home and uh I can't remember I, I can't remember how it all went down I think uh I don't think I watched the second round I don't even remember this was like an 06 so I was I don't remember how it all went down I think I got a phone call um from somebody so I, when I when you know you're sitting by the phone day two or whatever it is and then I got a, I got a phone call and when the phone rang I knew it was uh, it was somebody <laughs> Oh, it was pretty exciting, Ner- nerve-wracking to say the least, and it was just just a fun experience to be able to to get drafted. But you know, you look back now and like, it honestly is just just a free jersey because it it uh, it's a foot in the door, but it somewhat doesn't mean anything. You know, it's still so much hard work, and a lot of guys don't work out, and um, you know, people people drafted before me never played a game, and it's just it was just a fun experience. So to be able to be drafted and uh, get a jersey and just the the excitement for my family as well. I can't even imagine. I, I it's just yeah, that that is really really cool for sure. And I uh, I like what you said about that. Like that it would it would be really anxious waiting there. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Dustin Wolf was in the stands there, and and I expected him to go earlier, and then he was still sitting there in the seventh round and four picks away. And I I remember just the look on his face uh, when when he got drafted and stuff and. Um, and that he was, you know, really anxious. Um, so yeah. I, I can't yeah. imagine what it would feel like to be in the stands and, and just be waiting and wondering, oh, no. Yeah. Um, even right. though, you know, if you don't get drafted in the NHL, into the NHL, there are still ways in. And um, it's you've already accomplished so much already. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's too. It's like uh, the biggest thing is, you know, you're young. You want to keep up. You always feel like you need to up so you want to get drafted to the dub and you know you're so focused on that too but um there's just yeah there's just a lot of pressure i think to to you know you don't know if you're falling behind if you're not getting drafted and definitely getting drafted and where you get drafted impacts your opportunity for sure mm-hmm. you're always going to give first round guys more opportunity but it's uh sort of give or take the ones that make you know, there's so much hard work that's going to you come in not drafted and you make it happen so yeah it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely nerve-wracking and that only happened once. So yeah, absolutely. You only you only get drafted once too, right? So exactly. uh, I, I could imagine how nerve-wracking it would be. Um switching gears a little bit. I know you from from a football league, a fantasy football league run together, the UFASL. Uh do you play many other uh fantasy sports, any fantasy leagues? No, not at all. Honestly, like this was the first uh first fantasy league I'd actually ever been a part of. Never just never did like the you know, our, our team would always have uh fantasy football every year we do like you know not a keepers league. i don't even know what it was just like a um i don't know if it was a 10 team league i don't even know but they would do fantasy football every year most of the teams would do so i'd never really i never really want to get involved with it just never really excited i loved all the sports i loved you know football baseball basketball hockey obviously but it just never really uh never really interested me that much and then actually my brother, um, he's in with the hockey side with you um, of this. And then uh, he just, he was just kind of really, really loved it and talked about how in-depth it was and how real it was compared to the real thing. And uh, I, I want to get in something a little different. I've always really liked uh, the football side of, of, of sports and stuff and just how, how that, you have to manage the roster a little bit different in the position. So he said there was a football league coming and I, I just decided uh, to kind of jump in with him and buy franchise here and then he obviously went on and bought like a bunch more just like you uh owns almost every every different franchise or every different sports franchise that there is in the in the uh, in the uff sports platform so yeah it was uh, not not really something i i plan on getting into it just sort of fell in, fell in place here and i've enjoyed it I, I enjoy doing the fantasy sports i can't imagine the guys that do like 10 though it's it's too much i'm not too especially knowing that you know, you have two hockey leagues and the football and everything else. It's too much, way too much. <laughs> All right. So, 
uh, how about with hockey? When did when did you actually start playing hockey? Yeah, so when I um, I played, I have a twin brother actually, and you know him too, Curtis. We uh, we uh, we kind of started. I mean, since I remember, I was playing some form of hockey, whether it was just you know ball hockey with the little mini sticks in, in the house, or roll, you know like our roller rollerblades in the basement and stuff too. And we were always outside. I remember like all day sometimes in the, in the summertime and in the wintertime, we'd make a little rink in our kind of cul-de-sac where we played. I remember doing that even before organized hockey. And then I think when we were five or six, we got into uh, took kind of the figure skating, uh, learn how to skate thing, mm-hmm. uh, four or five, and just loved it. My parents put us in competitive hockey uh, here or in, uh, in Calgary here in, um so I was probably about five or six when I got competitive hockey and I kind of caught on or or really fell in love with being a goalie uh right away and probably even before the competitive size at five or six just just playing street hockey with my younger brother it was it was hard because you know you wanted wanted to play a game you wanted to pretend to be you know in the NHL but if there's two guys as shooters you know no goalie it was tough to really play a game so <laughs> Curtis kind of he kind of convinced me to go and net a couple times you know so we kind of pretend and uh, and kind of play around like that. And I just kind of fell in love with the equipment and the excitement and really latched on to some different different idols in the NHL and sort of rotated through my whole minor, uh, if you want to say minor hockey career until I was about, let's say, 13, like in Wee. Then I really stuck with being a goalie. But I always used to rotate player goalie. But, yeah, I just um, yeah, I just enjoyed the position, enjoyed, uh, enjoyed being a goalie. But um, started started fairly young, like I think you have to. You can't start late. And certainly some other sports like football you can pick up later, basketball you can pick up later, hockey. Hockey is one of those things you got to learn how to skate pretty young. Absolutely. Uh, so you started goalie, you started playing goalie when you were pretty young, your first uh, first couple of years there? Yeah, yeah I'd say uh, like like I always played played street hockey. Like I said, I played street hockey with my brother and we used to, uh, I used to always go in net and you know, used to play like play around it outside, um, just pretending to be different, different, Fernandic jellers and you know just to slide into each other and crash the net and all that kind of stuff and uh you know what kids do and then uh, when I was uh, five or six in competitive competitive organized hockey I guess I should say um I just kind of caught on to it and I remember being I think it was it was more I was actually good I was good at it or enjoyed it and everybody else hated playing goal so I used to just get rotated in every like second game like you'd have a random kid play and then I would go in and play goal, then another random kid, then I'd play goal. And it was just, we'd win a lot of games. I think we, I don't know if they even give, I think at that time they were still giving away, you know, first place, second place. Now I don't think they do that, but I think we won some tournament or something like that when we were really young. And I just kind of fell in love with it. You know, I had success when I was young. Not that we were playing full ice and I'm sure I only had four shots, but it felt like I was good. <laughs> so I kind of fell in love with it when I was about five or six, the on ice part of it and the gear. And you're just so unique. And, and to be honest, I hated coming off the ice when I was a player. You know, you're out there for like a minute and a half and just didn't have enough time on the ice. We're a goaltender. You're kind of out there on the ice. You're always in, uh, not involved, but you're always out there for the most part. You're kind of unique. And I just fell in love with that that aspect. I hated, hated coming off the ice and having to switch and sit there. So it's just my, it just became my passion. But if I wasn't a goalie, I probably would end up being a player or, or, or some, some other sport. Right. So you're, you're an ice hog. You want to you want to be out there all the time. I I, I get yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like I probably was good at probably more of like an individual sport type person. You know, playing tennis, I would have been better off. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I had more of that mentality. So I think you know I love hockey and I love the sport and and just the, the history behind it. So I think being a goaltender was like was was my calling just because I could be out there and I was a unique and it was it was as much as you're part of a team, it is super individual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are greatly impacted on the team that you're on, but you are are definitely responsible for your own actions and what you do. Uh, so you can control a lot too, and and have a lot of control in the game at or the outcome that. Absolutely. Oh, and then uh, do you still play in any leagues now? Do you do uh, um, anything no, like any? No, I don't. No, I actually like when I uh, I actually had to retire. From um because of concussions i had my last okay. season there in anaheim i got a concussion in practice so um okay. i was forced to retire and uh so i haven't i haven't gone out i, I know i can probably I, I just go out and play like shinny i've been on some outdoor rinks just with some buddies and stuff too but not goalie i've actually been okay. on for a couple of years now so i i took about a year and a half to try and come back and um just 
know, couldn't make any progress. So I made the decision and Doc obviously made the decision that it was just for the betterment of my health and, and stuff too, it just wasn't improving to kind of call it quits, which is tough, but you know, it comes eventually. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff yet. I know all my buddies ask me if I want to come out and be a beer league goalie or something for them, but <laughs> I don't think my, I don't think my groins and my legs could take it anymore. It's, uh, so conditioned over the years it's just like I, I don't think i could do that to myself to, to feel so crappy so crappy <laughs> you know? yeah so. okay all right well um when you played who did you find the did you was there a specific shooter that you found to be the toughest to play against um the toughest i mean like obviously uh ovechkin you always had to be aware of where he was but I always felt like for myself, I, I always, I always was better against the better players. Like it was maybe because I was so, so focused on them, but I didn't find, I mean, I guess it just depends on the situation. I mean, on a power play, yeah, Ovechkin was extremely dangerous because he would just tee up like right from the hash mark straight to your, to, you know, your right hand side on his one time. And to be honest, he has no idea where it's going. It's just like an absolute knuckle puck at you. He was hard in those situations, but I wouldn't say on any other situation beside that he was really that dangerous. Um, I don't know; it's hard. I always felt like the the guys you I didn't know, like the ones that were maybe like the the fighters and the less skilled players. I always felt like I was more cautious with them. Like I was more I wouldn't say nervous, but they're more unpredictable because they had less control of of what they were doing compared to other guys. You know, from Crosby comes down, you can kind of read them a little bit better and uh he's putting the puck where it should go so for me it was like i was a lot of for my for my own game it was more about instincts and and reading the play i wasn't like just all straight reactive so if i could make a good read on the shooter that always mm-hmm. been so i think those you know the guys like ovechkin in a one time or that he didn't know where it was going then i have no idea where it's going those ones are always hard and obviously he's could eventually be the all-time greatest uh, goal scorer and the league's ever seen you know just just guys like that like Stamkos to put themselves in good positions mm-hmm. uh I think I remember another guy just um just on top of my head that I remember I played world championships I don't even remember what year that was my second time around in world championships and I played with uh, Nathan McKinnon uh and I to be honest he was the best player that I think I'd ever played with you know it's, it's tough when you're against guys but on the same team he was just so quick his stick handling was so fast his skating was so fast he was just had great placement he was one of the best players that i uh that i'd ever played with. i think mean, it was with calgary at the time i remember telling tree living i'm like if mckinnon ever gets traded or offered a trade i'm like grab him for everything because he is so underrated and underappreciated and you're seeing it now just his value yeah. um playing with someone like uh Makar and stuff too can keep up with his speed it's just they're they're unstoppable so yeah they're those are probably the two guys mckinnon and Ovechkin and the power okay. players are probably those two guys. Yeah, those they would be Pretty quite worried to, to be looking at coming in, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, McKinnon, is, yeah, that was right before he really exploded, right? For, for yeah. I mean, I mean, we knew knew he was going to be good, really good, but uh, yeah. but this is, yeah. And, yeah, and now right. he's, yeah, I think he just has, again, the game, I think the, the players that he had looking back at know five six years ago the guy that the guys that he was playing with just didn't have the speed i remember watching him and he's flying up the ice and he stopped looking for somebody and guys are still catching up to him mm-hmm. he has to wait and pause and pause where now it's like he goes 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 and um you know the younger guys are great skaters and they have that same same um that go mentality up the ice and i think you see that with just how uh how, how explosive he can be when he has that that help with him too the guys that can keep up and be the same, same type of player yeah. Maybe like a Landeskog who's Landeskog. you know a little yeah. bit slower, right? Atlanta, they're kind of they're not like the super fast guys, they're a little bit more mm-hmm. of a slower, slower pace guys, which is good, but you know, to have two of those guys in a line with him just doesn't work. You gotta have somebody in there with more speed and they got that and I think on defense with Makar can jump up and do that arm too. So Yeah. Well there you go. Don uh, Don Morrison, who's the GM of the White Horse Huskies, will be really happy to hear that. He has uh, Nathan McKinnon and he'll love that uh that little uh, prop for for McKinnon there as well as uh as well as Mike Franceschini and and um, the Makar prop too and uh Makar he played he played with Brooks as well didn't he yeah he did I actually um yeah he did I didn't get to meet him but there my year in Calgary I went out there for uh Brooks did some kind of like a I don't know what it's called a hall of fame 
inductee or, or a wall of fame type thing. And I went out there for some a ceremony and it was his last year there in Brooks. So I got to watch a little bit of the game. This is when they're beating every team by like 10 goals. It was like 10-1, I think they won that day. Uh, and I remember I had some friends there and some family there watching the game and they just, um, they just remember watching him specifically, just how dynamic he was compared to everybody else too. And he was only like 17 or I think he was yeah, 17 at the time for them. And he just made that team go and like it just carried over uh, so well to the NHL, to college and then the NHL too. So yeah, he was the, the going to be unbelievable for the NHL and just the obviously Brooks too, developing him. It's a good person to have on the, on the wall of fame or whatever. That right. So he'll win a lot more, a lot more trophies in NHL. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So moving on to sometimes uh, over here. Oh yeah. A defenseman. But playing in front of you, what uh, was there a particular defenseman that you really liked playing behind the most? When he was out there, you felt maybe the most comfortable or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say uh, I'd probably say uh, well, hands down, probably was Daniel Chara when I was in Boston, my my first real full season. Uh, up. He, uh, just I think it was as much as it was his on ice, it was his off ice, and just the way he his competitiveness, like he demanded so, so much from everybody, whether it was like off ice and the condition the guys were in and himself, uh, you know, he was like six, seven and we had to do like this running test. And I remember it was like a shuttle, shuttle run thing. And like, he was just absolutely motoring the whole time. And, you know, like the big guys don't usually run that fast. So he was just flying doing everything he had and like, you know, doing crazy amount of pull-ups. I can't remember what it was, you know, just incredibly competitive, but like just super respectful too. I remember, uh, I think when I actually made the team, he just came up to me and had these like intense eyes like he does and just like, Hey, if you need anything, like, like, let me know, you know, whatever, whatever it is, just, you know, my wife will help you and, you know, find a place or anything, just feel free to call. And it was just like super sincere guy, um, you know, where you don't always get that in the NHL too. A lot of, a lot of selfish people, as you can expect with, with money and success and stuff too. But he was like this most humble and like hardworking guy. Um, and just his on ice performance too, you know, he, I remember him stopping practice, um, not the coaches. He stopped practice. He he just stood in the middle of the ice, thinking bang his stick, stopped practice, brought everybody in, and was just reamed out. Our team was just saying, you know, we need to be better in practice, and we need to be do more. And uh, even times then in the game, and or after a game we won, you know, it was like four two game. He would come in and just just be like, hey guys, you know, as much as we won, we can't play like this. We know we have to to play different. And it was just a fun experience to be around somebody like that that just really truly. Uh, respected the game and was knowledgeable about it and was like a true leader, like a true alpha male leader, but not like a, uh, not in the wrong way. And that's the culture there, you know, is carried over. Um, as many times I think like on different teams, most, most teams probably played with after that. I thought, man, if this, if, if he was only on some of these other teams to kind of stop practice or, or to speak up, it would have been uh, pretty useful for them too. But he, he's, yeah, and then obviously his reach and his on-ice performance too is just always in the right position, made everybody better. Um, not the you know the best skater, but just a smart, smart player with a big shot and uh, made everybody better around him, even if necessarily maybe he wasn't always the best player. So he, uh, yeah, he's a special player. So was, uh, I think he's still playing, isn't he? Still yeah, playing. he is. Yeah. yeah he's still yeah, playing. Incredible. He's in such great shape, though. Like, if everybody saw, he's like 2% body fat or something, like, <laughs> out of control. Like, he was just in such great shape and so committed to the game and stuff. It was uh, uh, a really a true leader. You wish he had another Stanley Cup. I don't think that he's in the, is he with the Islanders again? I don't, think, I don't know if they. Um, I think he is with the Islanders. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah, but just I, a great really... human being. Yeah, he's, you know, you wish he was, he'd, uh, win another cup there because he deserves it and he really does yeah he's he was actually a Banff Rocky last year uh that's okay. that's my team in the SICHL and uh he yeah. was huge for us he's now a uh, Montreal millionaire and uh what did you trade him for I didn't trade I didn't trade him uh he okay. was he was um a free agent unrestricted free agent in the offseason so okay. uh I would have loved to keep him he was a huge part of my team last year uh yeah. but uh Unable to keep him, and and he went for a lot of money in the off season, so uh, yeah. in free agency. So I was unable to keep up there. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, wish I could, but uh, he was, he really, and he, and just watching him all the time, it's just, is incredible. So yeah, at his age, yeah, at his age he's, uh, he, to be doing what he's doing still and his size and stuff, like, you know, again, the bigger guys, bodies usually break down. So it's impressive. He's still doing what he's doing, but he, I'm, not, I, I'm surprised I'm not surprised because yeah, true pro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so on my teams over the years, uh, we knew sometimes, actually a lot of times, um, not a lot, of, I guess sometimes, not to not to uh, talk with the goalie before the game, oh, yeah. uh, depending on the guy, right? Uh, exactly. And then, of course, there are some goalies that have been found to be extremely chatty before a game. What was your pregame routine like? Um, did um, you want to talk with the other guys, or did you need quiet space? I feel like for me, I was more of a quiet guy. I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't like like give guys a cold shoulder, but I would say I was definitely in my own world and, and just preparing uh, myself. I wasn't someone who, who needed to be like super like relaxed. You know, they have like the, it's in every team, no matter when you're in PV or the NHL. There's always that same group in the locker room. Like you always have like the few guys that are the jokesters that are super careful, and you have the two or three that are like super serious. Then you have another group that are like just the older guys, you know, that just kind of like are there. It's just like it all, all the dynamic is the exact same in the NHL with that roster. So for me, I probably put myself more on like the, the in my own world type situation, but I was never like, don't speak to me or like, don't speak to the goalie type situation. Right. I definitely you know, have, have conversations, talk to guys, but uh, I love the preparation part. Like for me, the off season and just preparing and improving and training and stuff was the, was the best part of it. So I always took it, pretty serious to make sure that I wasn't just like physically ready for a game. I was definitely mentally. And for me, that was just more kind of gathering my own thoughts. Um, and then making sure I was mentally just, you know, running through my routine and visualizing certain things. So for the most part, I was always in my own, own little world, but yeah, guys would give you your space. Cause they didn't know. I feel like a lot of, I didn't know like a lot of players, like, is this a guy who doesn't want to be talked to? Am I going to throw him off? Is he going to get pulled because I said hello to him or, um, but I think after a while I was pretty, pretty easy going like I, I'm pretty easy going uh pretty easy going guy so um but I definitely was pretty intense with my with my routine I feel like you have to, no you don't have to be but I feel like it helps with just making sure everything is checked off in your mind right where it needs to be to play at a high level absolutely you're you're doing everything in an elite level so yeah uh, yeah, yeah you got to be yeah. yeah people just have like some people need to be relaxed and then just before they go out and they'll turn it up, you know, and then for other people like me myself too, I, it's a slow build up, you know, like to getting yourself mentally ready. I just, I love that part of it. Just the perfection part and the mental side of it. It was all mental, you know, there's guys in the league that aren't in good shape that just play and it's, it's all, it's all in the head. So. <laughs> um. Okay. Moving on to the cities you played in. Was there one that was, uh, the, that had the toughest fans? That you found toughest fans um well i don't know i wouldn't say there's the toughest fans i know like i know uh playing in new york like i played for the rangers so even when i was on the rangers it was a tough tough city to play in mm -hmm. uh, just because a lot of them were like they're just a different breed in, in new york in general in manhattan uh because again the lower bowl was pretty pretty corporate and then you had the upper bowl was pretty like uh, I don't want to say redneck, but like blue collar. Pretty rowdy. Uh, yeah, pretty rowdy. So uh, they're they're you know eat very quickly to they're easily boo you and uh, chew you and all that kind of stuff as well. And then uh, when you're an opposing team as well too, it just you know you're you flying into New York and uh, a lot of times you're in like a police escort. There's just like different things that levels that kind of take into that effect that make it a little bit spe more special in the. Uh, of an environment and then the fans are always trying to yell at you and stuff too so you know i think new york uh the rangers would probably be the i think the most uh most memorable i mean obviously at home too is tough like when I go, yeah either at home you know you, there's a lot of pressure there too but it was like a good pressure i don't know if it was a hard pressure but it was a good pressure oh, i guess actually montreal too montreal is a tough one right montreal it just for whatever reason uh just the the french the french vibe or whatever it was i don't know but it was like it's just it's just a, such a different dynamic for whatever reason now yeah, the teams that i played on we never really had tons of success when you're there and uh yeah that's a tough that's a tough place to play 
<laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can imagine like a mecca, mecca like uh, Montreal for sure, and yeah, and yeah. both original six teams too, right? So yeah, yeah, there's just a deep rooted like history there, and you know you feel it with the environment and the fans and stuff. Uh, just has a different feel, just a, just a different feel to it. Almost like playing in Europe in Montreal. It's just such a different. The the fans are so different. Obviously, the language is different. It's just the the way that they react to plays and things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit. It's, it's a little different. So enjoyable at the same time, but you know, a challenge. You kind of have to make sure you're always ready. Um, right. Because things can get out of hand pretty quick. And I mean, and we know that media is tough there. How, what about the media? Did, uh, it, to me, it seems like it's become more invasive, invasive recently with some boiling points. Like, I mean, we just, we just saw the, uh, of course, with Matheson and, and Leon yeah. and the, and why yeah. so pissy Leon kind of comment, but yeah. did you find a change over time in what the media expected for responses from you, from your time in the league? Uh, I don't think it changed. I think just the, uh, I think the publicity that like media gets now for, mm. for what they do, you know, and, and like who they are, you know, there's a, it's a big platform now that they have with social media and Twitter and things like that, that they can, they can gain followers just however, and mm. it benefits them. So they, they can kind of, you know, I'm not saying any, any specific situation was like that at the first, that was first since 10, but you know, sometimes bad things like that or negative media sometimes is, is good for them to draw attention to themselves. So I feel like right. some of them use those things just for their own gain. Uh, I know that Edmonton media has always been pretty harsh. Uh, you know, and again, it's like in Calgary as well too. You, you, everybody knows the players too. They have certain, certain media people that'll write negative articles about players or, uh, you know, two-sided media articles like, Oh, a guy's playing re really well, but Oh, this is happening this is happening kind of giving their opinion more than the facts i guess nowadays mm -hmm. like i guess people i don't know if they want that or just the media let's let these the uh non-hockey player people just speak their mind a little bit more about like what they're what they think is going on instead of what actually is happening so i think that bothers players a little bit too yeah. um other certain times you're kind of like hey we don't need this person's opinion like he's not a qualified person you can cover the facts but i don't necessarily think people their opinions right, like right. enough to kind of make their own decision i don't know the whole detail the behind the, the, uh, the dry saddle or whatever his his situation too but yeah it's like i don't know if it's who's more out of line but uh if you're you know if you're looking for an, a specific answer then why even ask really the question right like if he wants to just give a one-word answer he can give a one-word answer like i was always pretty detailed as you can tell with like my my explanations but some guys their own right if they just don't want to go like in crazy depth or like a, going into a question uh media person already expects a specific answer it's just that's you know, i don't think it's fair so i would always go on the player side of things mm -hmm. uh, as well as being ex extremely rude but uh you know you want to be respectful both ways but if you're going into a question asking like specifically looking for uh an answer then i think that guy was at fault whoever's right Tanner madison guy so I know he's 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 a harsh critic. Uh, yeah, for sure. Of the Oilers, so uh, I'm not surprised that guys maybe don't give him the time of day because why would you? If you're going to talk negative about someone and impact their kind of fans. Oh, yeah, and you kind of you kind of expect it coming. Then you're expecting negativity coming from the guy. Yeah. So then you're you're putting your back up already uh, yeah, as exactly. well. And so yeah, it's it's just gonna that's what is gonna breed. Yeah, and, exactly. And you yeah. know, maybe a negative response. So, uh -huh. um, yeah. Uh, and you you touched on social media there, and that was um, my next question. Is social media has been has of course put more scrutiny on every aspect of of life. It seems. Yeah. How did you deal with social media when you were playing? Yeah, I honestly just stayed off it. Like to a certain yeah. point, I was just off social media. Not even because it was just distract distracting me because of hockey and stuff but it was more just in life in general I, you mm -hmm. know everybody just sits there and i can sit and scroll through uh instagram or you know facebook or whatever for hours and hours and hours and hours and never get bored of it right so it's kind of like i looked at it 
like, what am I doing? Why am I sitting here wasting my time just through someone else's life or what somebody else is doing, whatever somebody else has them just didn't really feel or what somebody says about you or what else somebody did didn't really matter. It got to a point where I'm like, why am I really subjecting myself to that? Like, I don't need that. Like I, I it's my life you know, that bad that I need to sit there and follow someone else's life or listen to someone's opinion about me or whether it's good or bad. Right. It's like, none of that should matter. So I just deleted, I just got rid of never really, I don't think I ever had Twitter, but I got rid of Instagram my personal Instagram and just all my personal Facebook accounts. I just didn't need it in my life. I was like, I, and I, that was a long time ago. And I just felt a lot more focused on myself uh, more, which is, you know, I felt was better. And then just with hockey as well, I just, something else out of my, away from the rink or in my life that I just didn't need, you know? So I feel like it helped me narrow my focus on what was important. That was my, my hockey career and, uh, and my family. So I, I just try to stay off. I know a lot of guys are very much into it and you can make a lot of money off it as well by promoting things and selling things. And right. uh, nowadays, a lot of people need that or want that too. The younger generation, that's them. But for me, I just, I didn't need it. That extra hassle and burden. You're a smart man. You're a smart man. I, I, I'm on, I'm on Twitter for, with this league and we, and yeah. it's funny because of in this league, uh, in the SACHL, we have our Twitter accounts uh, for our yeah. teams, and uh, and I follow I follow all the other teams in the league, and then I follow yeah. some uh, some media th- who who I respect. They're out there, yeah. And, and still, yeah. somehow uh, things get things creep into my yeah. into my feed, uh, exactly. like like whether it's political or whatever. And I'm like, what? You <laughs> know, like yeah, there's exactly. so much negative stuff out there. I'm like yeah. I just want to I just want to know about like what happened yeah. at the hockey game or 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 that, like the joking around that we have in our league on on Twitter and stuff and and that's so much fun but there's all all this other stuff that just yeah like you like again like I I go on I have like private accounts and stuff for like our other league as well too for uh, NWS Gladiators I do a little bit of that media stuff for them too and I you, know, you have to you know you have to be on these social media like the social media to get any updates and right. Uh, be involved so I, I do like to do that i just when it comes to like personal accounts mm-hmm. business is one thing but it's like when I, I i don't really care about someone's personal uh personal accounts or personal life that much yeah. it's yeah you want updates on these sporting events and injuries and trades and rumors and stuff like that too that's exciting but yeah there's always the times when certain things pop in and you're like why am i why am i getting a feed about like shoes or whatever it is, or someone riding a horse and falling or, like, you know, just random stuff that right. pops in there that you end up getting suckered into watching and swiping on or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, I try and stay away. I try and try and keep it as clean as possible in my life, the things that I enjoy. But there's always, there's a, there's a certain time and place for, for, uh, for social media. It's just the way, the way of the world now. Yeah. So as, as fans, we we follow the trade deadline day um, and the lead up to the trade deadline day, uh, often with like great excitement, and we're, we're you know really wondering where's where's this player going to go? Is this going to yeah. is this going to help me with this guy moving here or here? Uh, yeah. And I remember hearing Kelly Rudy talk one time uh, about trade deadline day, and and he was like really upset with uh, with how the like the media was going after it and saying you know what this is these are people's personal lives. That are getting completely uprooted, and and here we are in all this excitement about it. And and the, uh, he said I, he remembers as a player, it was really tough leading up to that. I can imagine, I you know, uh, yeah. and I hadn't I hadn't I felt terrible because I hadn't really thought of it like that leading up to that uh, before yeah. he said that. So, um, okay. What did what was it like in the in a dressing room um, in like the weeks? leading up to a, a trade deadline? Yeah, it's tough. I think, again, for me, like I was in so many different situations. Like I was in, again, I was in Rangers when I was fairly young, getting kind of some up and down playing time. But in Boston, I was pretty secure where I was based on like the team, um, and where we were as a goaltender. Um, and then, you know, I went to the Islanders and it was just an absolute train wreck uh, there for, for everybody. And, you know, then you start hearing when you're on these bad teams, like I was playing more of a handful of bad teams. Good. So a lot of times you're just, 
sometimes, at least my first first year at the Islanders, uh, you're not really expecting anything, and then slowly things start creeping in, like on social media, or people start talking, you know, about potential trades and things like that too. And it it does affect you. You know, you don't you don't know where you're going to be going. You have like a family, and uh, I think the thing about the trade deadline as well, or just trading in general, is it's not like you're you give you're given a heads up. I was traded with my first year with the Islanders to Buffalo, uh, and I think it was during deadline. But I had my wife there. I didn't have any kids, thank God. But I had my wife there and got a. All, all it happens is you. It's imagine it happens to you just with your job. Imagine you just get a yeah. phone call, which I did, right. and uh, I think it was assistant GM. It says, "Hey, this is." Uh, I think it was Doug Wake at the time. Uh, you, uh, we've just traded you to the Buffalo Sabres, uh, and um, they need you to be there for tomorrow's game. So we have a flight for you uh, in two and a half hours um, to get on a plane to get down to Tampa Bay. I think it was you're going to meet the team there, this whole new team. Um, and so just kind of take what you need. The trainers will give you a call, and then our public relations guy will give you a call too to to get transportation to for you to the airport. But yeah, you will try and get you on a plane here in a couple hours. Boom. And then you're never back. Like, so then, you know, I get off the, get off the phone and you tell your wife, like, Hey, well, I just got traded to Buffalo. I got to meet the team in Tampa. So, uh, you know, we had a, we rented a house there and had some bunch of furniture and stuff too. So I just said, well, like, I got to pack my bags because I'm supposed to catch a flight here in two hours. Uh, so I'm going to take what I need pretty much while I'm there and for the next two months. Cause I was never going to be back to, to Long Island. I had never been back to that house since that moment. Right. It's just literally pick up and go. My wife, stayed back and was kind of like in shock it was the first time we dated um and she just was you know had um you know was kind of in shock and then she she just had to figure out try and get some uh a company to come grab our furniture and figure where we want to put that so and i just pretty much packed like a, a carry-on bag with a suit bag uh met the trainers at the rink pretty much 30 minutes later and then i was on a flight um probably an hour later from finding down to tampa and then, you know, was with it with the Sabres for the remainder of that year. Uh, and then the next year as well, too. But it's just like, boom, boom. Like, imagine right now you with your family and work, just getting a phone call saying, hey, we need you to uh, go to uh, uh, New York. We've uh, contracted you out there. So we need you on a plane there. You got to teach tomorrow morning. You got to yeah. uh, do this. It's, it's pretty much just like that fast. It's not like, hey, we traded you. Like, take your time, you know, like. You know, you got a family, you know, get yourself together and, you know, here you go and get, you know, kind of get your bearings and stuff. It's like, no, tomorrow you play for a different team, new, yeah. team, new players, all that. So it's it's definitely a shock to the system and it's hard. It's a lot harder than you think because it's, again, you, you have a foundation where you are, especially some of the guys that have been there for a long time. Thankfully, like I never, not thankfully, but I never, I never was really, really in one place more than one or two years. So for different reasons. And, um, but the guys that are for a while and the foundation they built, family and friends is I'm sure it's a lot harder for them too but it's a shock like it's just you know you never really know um so as it gets closer to the trade deadline it's a relief when it's over and you have right. especially on the lower end they are the, the worst teams you know in buffalo and there's times too you are hoping like guys are hoping they get traded too so mm. uh, guys are disappointed like i remember being in uh i think buffalo my second time around after calgary and um everybody wanted out of there it was a contract year for me too and we were just just again as buffalo always is um just not not competitive um so you know i remember thinking like it was it would just be a good situation to get out so it was definitely disappointed when i wasn't um i wasn't traded so there's kind of two sides of it as well you know later on in your career kind of, sometimes you want to get traded and guys will disappoint if they're not but uh i think either way it's always a shock to the system mm -hmm. definitely if you're not ready for it or wanting it so is there in the in the room is there like uh after the trade deadline's over is there just kind of a everyone lets out a breath in the room like oh, you can just feel the, the tension leave and yeah. oh yeah absolutely you can just tell i mean again sometimes it's disappointment like i know in buffalo mm -hmm. because a lot of guys, <laughs> you guys on contracts were you know want to go into better teams and want yeah. better situations to, to play better um like myself included so it, you know you're it's somewhat it's a relief but you're also disappointed because like okay my season will be down here yeah so i'm not going to contender i'm not going to a better situation i'm i got to battle out here and try and survive yeah. um, you know without being destroyed or whatever right so it's like uh there's some disappointment there too and then other guys as well with maybe 
families are, don't want to get traded for different reasons. There, uh, there's a side of relief, and I've been on the side, the, the side of, um, of relief, but it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I've had all the emotions for the most part. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, uh, there's a lot of anxiousness for sure from a lot of, a lot of different people. Yeah, absolutely. So SICHL GMs, I know our trade deadline is coming up this week in the SICHL. So it's so a easy on those players, easy on their, easy on them, uh, with those players. And, and too, like, don't yeah, tell them, uh, don't tell them they're, they're on a plane within two hours. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. it'll happen though. That's a, that's the thing. It's, uh, everybody's gotta be prepared. It's like another story too is like, I don't know if you have time, but um, oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of times, too, before trade deadline, like, you know, not every team is on at home. So they tell you, like, make sure everybody, except for the guys that have trade clauses or whatever, make sure everybody brings enough and bring your passport um, just in case you get traded. So it's like, you know, we're all packed and ready as if we're all going to get traded um, because we're playing away over the trade deadline or on like a two week road trip over the trade deadline. So it's like, you know, you're waiting, 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 you're packed. It's just like such a weird vibe. Yeah. But everybody knows it's part of the game. I mean, like, you know, there's no, you, no one needs to have sympathy. I think it's just more, oh, it is harder. I think just realizing like, you know, that it, it is hard and it's not an easy thing to do for someone, no. anyone, whether you're making like millions of dollars or you're anything to just pick up and leave, especially if you have a family or you're, you're anywhere, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's something that is part of the game and everybody realizes it and understands that that happens. So you just take it and, and roll with it. So. Yeah, everybody should realize it's not easy. Yeah, for sure. Not as easy as you think, emotionally, yeah. mentally, physically. So, uh, so going from that, which were which could be uh, would have been really tough. Uh, two fondest memories in the league. Did you in the league, or just not even didn't have to be in the league? It could have been uh, outside the league. Fondest memories uh, from your hockey career, I would say. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's many, but I think my, my, my last year in Alaska, um, it kind of just all came together for me in, with, with my hockey, just my hockey in general, my hockey career. I think everything came together. I got opportunity, like really uncon like somewhat unconditional opportunity to just say, okay, you're the guy, the, the, the net's yours. Uh, we win with you. We lose with you. Um, so I had a real opportunity then and I felt like I'd seized it. And it was the first time I really felt like there was that uh, from start to finish that season really came together. And it was just such a special year for me, obviously winning different, different accolades and helping us go to like the, as a team, go to the Joe for the seniors that year uh, in Alaska. That for me was, was I think just, just a good kickstart for my, my NHL career. Um, just gave me a lot of confidence. So that, that was that, that whole season was a, a major highlight for me. Um, and then obviously my first game and uh, being part of like the Rangers organization, the history and being around like Longfist and uh, seeing how he was as a goaltender to that. Uh, I think my first game, right. I even, I even go back more to like my first training camp or my first exhibition game where you like, you put on an actual NHL Jersey and mm -hmm. NHL players. I just remember um, the guy was, playing against New Jersey, my first ever game. And I remember playing against, I think it went to a shootout and I stopped like Brendan Shanahan. You know, he was probably like 40, 42 at the time, but it was like those things that I remember. Then my first game too, like it's how old I am, but uh, Atlanta Thrashers, we played my first ever start uh, was against Atlanta Thrashers. And I remember just just thinking at the time in my first game, you know, like Ilya Kolbachuk was, was, was there. And I just remember thinking like, you know, I already have these perceived and I've already pre-scouted all these guys, you know, like your whole life, you're imagining playing against these guys and it's like, you know, you're actually in the game and those things that I remember watching, I'm using them to help me uh, prepare for a guy's shot or what his tendencies are. And I remember that as, as an experience, my first game, just kind of that surreal feeling and like, that's just like that really weird, but awesome feeling. Um, so probably those two that, you know, the Alaska experience, like my first game or first exhibition game where you're, you're actually there you're actually testing your abilities and all your hard work say okay like am i actually ready for this so um and am i am i good enough to be there so and they both went well so yeah i felt like i was ready <laughs> i can do this well as a rookie you had you had excellent numbers that year in the uh, for the rangers there like five yeah. games played with them but a 919 save percentage 
uh, as a rookie goaltender in the NHL. That is that is amazing. So yeah, and I uh, and the first the first ever. I think I backed up. I came in my first ever uh, um, game. I think I came in the second period against in in Madison Square Garden. Lumpus got pulled. I think he let in three in the first or two in the first, and then he put me in against Philly. I think I let my first shot in, but I wasn't like a good save percentage. So that kind of skewed, I think, my overall numbers. But it was fun. Again, just uh, opportunity. You know, I played well. It's just the right right opportunity to just kind of stick out that year. And uh, But it was fun. Fun experience and built on that. We, yeah, and we're all living vicariously through you. So that's that's pretty cool. That's, that is awesome. Um, so maybe not uh, fantasy hockey, but were there in many fantasy leagues amongst players? And you you mentioned that there was mostly fantasy football that the teams would have. Would they they yeah. wouldn't have a would a team ever have like a fantasy hockey league? No, if they did, we'd probably they'd all be suspended. Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. I, I couldn't imagine that that would be allowed. I mean, no. We just saw what's his name in football there in that in Atlanta gone yeah. for gone for the year, right? So exactly. Yeah, there's uh the football was the biggest thing. I think. Uh, every year, guys did fantasy football. A lot of guys went together and did like some, I, I would say, fairly high stake fantasy football leagues. Okay. Not 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 football or not uh, not baseball or uh, they would do like a masters. Sometimes they do a masters thing. Masters okay. Uh, so you know you you'd uh, I remember how it is. You do like they picked a group of players or something like that, or you bid on it or buy it or whatever. So. Um, so you, they would do that. There was a lot of different stuff, but not not hockey and basketball, not really. Uh, NCAA, there was a lot of fantasy, um, just for the for the March Madness. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. in the states, right? Oh yeah, in the states too. Like it was, they got a lot of the U.S. guys. Just you know, they loved it. They loved the March mm-hmm. Madness stuff, and it's huge and it is exciting. Um, but for the most part, the fantasy fantasy football was just was the only one from okay. start for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Zdeno Chara earlier as uh, as that guy that was just you, you really love playing behind him and and what a great guy he sounds like um, and you know so welcoming and everything. Were there who were people uh, other than Zdeno then that made it most enjoyable for you to come to the rink each day? Was there anybody? Else? Um, I remember playing like I got along really well when I was in Boston with like uh, Dougie Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. I got a little bit of bad rap, I think, when he left in Boston. I don't know why, but uh, he was just like a quieter guy too. Just loved loved the game and um, played again with him in, in Calgary. Uh, so I, I always felt like I got connected with him, and then um, like Backlund here in Calgary as well. Um, there was a couple guys, you know. Just I kind of was more of a. I, I tried to make sure for the most part I was friends with everybody. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be picky. Like there's always certain times when you're picky and. Being a goalie, I'd always try to make sure I was just really close to everybody. Um, for the most part, and like Ryan O'Reilly, I uh, played with him a couple times and for a while, so I was close to him. And Leonard, um, there's a lot of guys I never tried to be attached. Josh George is in Buffalo, uh, got, got really well with him, along with him too. Um, but for the most part, I, I really tried to make sure I was with stayed neutral. You know, you didn't want to jump on one side or the other, especially being a goalie. Can't hang out too many forwards or too many D men. <laughs> okay yeah um was there a favorite building you had to play in a, that you uh that you liked the most to play in um you yeah. said you talked about like it being you know tough in montreal with the you know and, and with the for playing in the uh in the ranger stadium um yeah. anything any place that just you just loved playing there yeah i mean i loved the the challenge of, like i love playing in both those two but for me it was uh I feel like Boston, the environment okay. in Boston, it was just something else. If anyone ever has a chance to go to Boston, just the city in general, uh, it's it's really an amazing city, and the fans are incredibly loyal. But they're 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 honest fans. Like they're not going to really, they'll be hard on you, but they're not like unrealistic. Okay. In a lot of places too. So I always felt like as as a home uh, as a home player, uh, when I was with Boston, I loved loved the loved the environment, and even as an opposing player too, just that energy and the, you could tell the knowledge and uh of the game too i love playing in boston it was like my favorite probably my favorite place to, to play whether i was on the team or or not and then and then obviously in calgary um you know, that would be be the number one but it'd be too easy to pick so mm-hmm. i love in, in calgary you knowing there's like you know family and friends and stuff in the crowd as well 
Um, so yeah, it was uh, those two for sure would be it'd be hands down my favorite. Excellent. The, was there a stadium that uh, had the best facilities for the players? Um, I'm trying to think. Some some were better than like as a you're you're thinking more like as a uh, an away player or I, yeah, um, I, I guess away. Yeah. So when you, when you when you would come in, they would uh, you'd just like really feel comfortable there and and be able to prepare really well yeah. because of it maybe or. Yeah, I always felt like I mean Edmonton, the new stadium Edmonton was is awesome too. Like their their dressing room and their facility there for the the away team is awesome. Like it's a huge room, you get all kinds of stuff you need. It's a new facility as well. Um, and then like some of the some of the places just aren't that 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 great. Like um, Buffalo was okay. I wouldn't say there was any more. There weren't. Yeah, there weren't. There weren't too many. I wouldn't say great ones. They maybe mm -hmm. do that intentionally, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd probably have to say Edmonton just because it's a little bit of a newer ring. Even like okay. Vegas, like Vegas too. Vegas was had a good setup because they they were pretty good in Detroit. You know, all these the new rinks as right. you can as the as the rinks got old, other the older rinks are the ones that are like like not very good. Like the yeah. they're sharing two rooms, they're splitting two rooms, and showers don't work. It's a lot like. <laughs> So I wouldn't say it's like uh, some of the ranks in Calgary, Edmonton, uh, the little, the smaller ranks, but you know, you're, they're, uh, they're definitely smaller than the average NHL rank or NHL locker room. But, right. And it is what it is. It's you're in a weight team. You shouldn't be comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I think I remember as a kid uh, and you know, the, the saldom was, was new when I was a kid. Um, and I remember they they painted. I don't know if they still did, but they painted the away dressing room red to uh, to really drive the uh, the other team kind of uh, crazy. Um, yeah, crazy. Like the whole and thing, so, the the stalls and everything were red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, I mean, I never I never got to go in there to check it out, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's like, hilarious. They're not they're not going to make it easy for you. No, I think I might remember that too. But then I think the flood they might have changed it. They're all right that like ochre um, if i can remember so they don't have the red it's a they're they're good though like good facilities they have all, everything yeah. you need. like you get you get spoiled up there and everyone always after you regardless of where you are they're always going to make you comfortable um it's just right. yeah, like you said the spacing is just different different rates. okay i'm sure there's a standard i'm sure the nhl has a has a standard there yeah they, they, i'm sure yeah they have a standard on size and things like that too but um it's, it's just different, different layouts. Sure. Mm -hmm. We were lucky enough um, at the last summit, so five years ago in Edmonton, we were lucky enough to have a get a tour. Um, they didn't do private tours of the uh, of Rogers, but they but we were able to get a private tour of just our just our group, which was seventeen of us, but uh, of the building. Unfortunately, we weren't allowed to go into the Oilers. There's one place we weren't allowed to go into was the Oilers dressing room, but that place is, and I've been to a number of games there, um, but that place is incredible for sure. Yeah. Uh, what Was there a building of yours that was your favorite to play in? When you would go there, uh, it seemed like everything was just on every time. Um, like, I, I think, again, Boston was probably that the place where, like, things just always went well. Okay. Places where things went well. Again, it's maybe because I enjoy playing there, but... Uh, uh, it just it was one of those places I just felt incredibly comfortable in, um, and even Toronto too. Like I enjoyed, I enjoyed playing in Toronto as well. Uh, with the Leafs, you know, being out west here, mm -hmm. we all get hearing about the Leafs. So, uh, <laughs> so like I always feel like there was one of the places I, I feel like I played fairly well, fairly well. Right. Okay. Cool. And you decided to go the NCAA route, and and. Uh... And that's happening now more and more for Canadian players. It did. It wasn't so much in the past. Uh, it was so many, so many more Americans that were that would go the NCAA route, and Canadians would go CHL. Uh, yeah. Was there a reason uh, you went NCAA? Or yeah, I think for myself, like my dad really, really was about trying to get. Uh, I wouldn't say be cautious, but you know, he knew that like not everyone's going to be that young mature, develop, 
physically physical stud that's ready to play the mm-hmm. NHL like 20 years old. Like it just yeah. a lot of kids aren't aren't there. Uh, and I wasn't either. Like I was just a tall, skinny kid. Like I was like 180 pounds, like six three, like just a stick, right? And uh, I had opportunity to go to the Western League, but he he knew which was the right decision, and I'm glad that I did. And a lot of people are the same. Is it just gives you a little bit of extra time. You know, mm-hmm. most going to play NCAA when you're 1920 or you know 2021, 20, 22, and then you come out. Like when I came out, I was 23 going to NHL. And, um, you know, you have to play against men. It's quicker, it's faster, it's stronger. Even for a goaltender, too, you have to be a lot stronger. Um, so and you want to make sure you're coming and entering the league when you're ready. Uh, and when you're when you're ready to jump in and be, like, impactful at the highest level that you think, which is, like, most of the time it's American Hockey League, um, <clears throat> the American Hockey League level, or if you're lucky, the NHL. So for me, to, looking back and even now, I think guys are realizing that, that, hey, it extends it. You know, if I want to leave school when I'm a freshman, when I'm 19, 20, and go play pro hockey, I can still do that. You know, in the Western League, in the CHL, you're coming out when you're 20, and you can easily just get buried in the East Coast or uh, the American Hockey League and not be ready to be that impactful, and then you can just get labeled. You don't want to get labeled uh, as anything in the NHL um, or in the American League, and you'll just end up, it's hard to dig your way out of that want to come in and be like impactful for me it was like you know i came in when i was 23 i was a little more mature a little stronger a little faster and it made a big difference i stepped right into american league and got a chance in the nhl and i was ready where there's guys that i played with that were like they were still babies their bodies hadn't developed at 20 they're trying to come in and compete tons of skill um and now they're just not playing and everybody's elite everyone comes in and plays in pro hockey and has done something special Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to make sure that you have the advantage. So for me, I played four years. A lot of guys, you know, like McCarr and stuff, can you can leave early. It just gives you more options, um, and that's this that's sort of the decision that I I made. Why I made it for the NCAA is if I needed more time, I had more time to play at an elite level and grow uh, instead of being forced to try and figure out what I was going to do. I wasn't ready. Right, and at the same time, you got a college degree, right? Like over there, the University of Alaska for four years. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you have the benefit of that as well. So right, yeah, so good. Uh, are you involved uh, in the game at any level now? Uh, you know, desire to coach or management? No, I, media? no, I've done a little bit of goalie coaching. Um, okay. Goalie coaching Calgary, but nothing yet. Um, have done a little bit of scouting with um, or. Uh, goalie coach in the NHL. I don't know if I can say who, but uh, he goes <laughs> every now and then um, just to get some opinions on it, on that stuff too. So I've, I've had I've had thought of doing it. Right now I've um, been off for about a year and a half, maybe two years, and um, just kind of enjoy spending time with my kids and doing that little stuff for yeah. hockey, um, just here and there. But um, if the if the right opportunity comes up, then um, you know I'll definitely. Interested. It's just uh, at this point, I'm not in like the dire need to, to really uh, to lead back into it. It's a, it's a tough environment to be in. I think even in a coaching standpoint at that level, at the high level, uh, when my kids get old enough to play hockey and choose to, I'll definitely get involved with them. But, um, right now, not too involved. Okay. <laughs> And and that's great. Like uh, that's the, that's a wonderful opportunity that you have now too to oh, to, yeah, uh, to be around them uh, so much more too. And uh, and yeah. that's that's wonderful in itself as well. Chad, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. Like I said, we're uh, when I when I talked to you about this about about doing this, I said we are just a bunch of hockey fantasy nerds, and and this is. Uh, this is really special for us uh, to, to hear from you. So really appreciate this. Um, I, are you on Twitter with uh, with the uh, with the UFAFL franchise? Yeah, yeah, I have the uh, or the Can West. Yeah, I'm on there. The Can West uh, Gladiators. We, uh, that is the football side, and, I, was, and I'm, I do a little bit of help with uh, um, Curtis, who does the hockey side, which is the uh, they, again hockey. And West uh, generals, generals there, yeah. So every now and then he'll he'll take some advice from me on the hockey side. Made some, some tough tough mistakes, <laughs> me, but yeah, it, it's fun. So I'm I'm on there, and that's pretty much the only way. Yeah, you'll so that, get 
you'll see. But I just do some of the team team stuff for them when I have time. So nice. So people can follow you on there. It's at Canwest Generals, is it? Yeah, Canwest. Yeah, that's our uh, our football football team, and then obviously you can follow Curtis's uh, team as well. And that's at Canwest for you. It would be at Canwest uh, Gladiators. Yeah, on Inst on Instagram, not on. Uh, I don't have they don't have Twitter. I don't think. On Instagram, not on Twitter. Okay. I think there's a. I think Canwest has a Twitter as well, but yeah, not, not too 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 involved in all all that yet. I don't think. <laughs> Where are you uh, at then? Standings. Where are you at in the standings here? Are you gonna in the in the oh in this one in the SICHL? Yeah. In the SICHL, I am sitting just in the playoffs right now in the uh, Canadian Conference. So I'm just Shit's clicking over time. to it right now. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm in seventh in the Canadian Conference right now. It is tight. We have a race going on. Um, wow. There's. Uh, what four points? No, five points between sixth and tenth in the conference right now. So, yeah. so it's a it's twenty one games to go or so with the yeah. season, and hopefully yeah. can make it. Good players. <laughs> just traded away Vlasic, so who knows? <laughs> ah, he's a little older. Big contract. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, best of luck in this. And I'm sure, we'll chat soon about some NFL deals, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We have one. We have one in the books or in the uh, in the fire, fire in the oven there for sure with that one. So, <laughs> all right, Chad, appreciate it so much. Thanks, thanks for being Thank on. Thanks again, Chad. That was fantastic. If you want to follow Chad on Twitter, you can follow him at Gladiators UFAFL UFAFL all in caps and not to be confused with our own. Henry Ski's Hamburg Gladiators. So uh, if you have a question for the podcast, if you'd like to be on the podcast, if you have an idea for the podcast, please uh, DM me on Twitter at S-I-C-H-L Rockies. All right, that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.